You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you'll get extra bonus content like our pet peeves segment, where we ask our guests about their pets and their peeves with the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 in the New American Standard Bible. If I speak with the tongues of mankind and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions to charity, and if I surrender my body so that I may glory, but do not have love, it does me no good. This section of scripture is not about romance. Start it, first off. Not about that. Don't know why it's at marriages, at weddings sometimes, but it's cool. But instead, this verse comes after St. Paul discusses some of the spiritual gifts in the book of Corinthians um, to show an even better gift, which is the love for our fellow man. St. Paul makes a bold claim that without love, faith is worthless. Josh Patterson, how do you think the church could be better united or just better in general if we focused more on love than faith? Hmm. That's a solid question. I think uh, for me, when I think of this question, it's it's interesting because I, I wrestle with the distinction between love and faith. Um, for me to have faith is to show love <laughs> to uh, my neighbor and to others. So I think um, but I, I, I get the point of the question. Like a lot of the times I think we conflate faith with correct belief and think that the best way to love other people is by convincing them that our beliefs are correct. They're the right ones. Um, and sometimes there's eternal implications tied to that. But I think for me, when I think about love and faith, I, I, I think they kind of go uh, hand in hand, right? I think um, that to love my neighbor as myself uh, is to be acting faithfully. Um, when I think of faith, I think it it involves the ability to uh, continue asking questions and, and wrestling with different ideas, all in light of accepting and loving my fellow man or woman or whoever. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's an <laughs> if that's an answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where my mind goes at first. Yeah, I always find Paul's wording really interesting here, especially because like. In John, it's like, you can't know God if you don't love. So it's kind of like, how can I have faith without love? Yeah, yeah. No, right. I, like, I like that answer. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to yeah, tie the two together and be like, how am I loving my neighbor? And like, if I'm loving my neighbor well, then perhaps that means I'm acting in faith. And if I'm not loving my neighbor well, then I don't know, maybe my faith is uh, on the rocks today. Which, yeah. which probably happens more often than not, <laughs> if I can yeah. be honest. But. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> hey everybody welcome to the whole church podcast um we are we are part of a network we are part of the anazel ministries podcast network um i am here alone so you might see me struggle a little bit here at the beginning and outro when tj pulls a lot of the weight but i'm here i'm joshua noel i am without my co-host but i am here with one of the hosts of um one of my favorite 
podcast, actually. I, uh, I have a list of shows that I make sure I don't miss every week. And one that I added last year was Rethinking Faith. And the host is here with me today, Josh Patterson. Josh, how's it going, man? How's it going? You have a good name. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, we, we are uh, part, of, part of the Josh I. Uh, I'm part of another podcast, Systematic Geekology. And there's another Josh on there. And um, I'm known as Josh with the bad opinions, and he's Josh with the good opinions. Ah, right on. I, so yeah, yeah I, you can have I, neutral opinions. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's fine. I'll be Josh with neutral opinions. I like yeah. it. <laughs> it's yeah. better than what some people call me. So Josh with neutral opinions is good. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't get to Josh with the good or bad theologies that everybody could just be okay with how, <laughs> how we see things. <laughs> oh, man. But – so I mentioned I have to do TJ's part. So y'all hang in here with me. I'm going to plug some things. I already plugged the network. TJ will be proud. But yeah, in the show notes, we have a link to the Amazon Ministries Podcast Network. Check it out. There's a bunch of other shows on there. I actually do another show that's part of the network now that's Dummy for Theology, where I just go through a bunch of theological questions and uh, leave you with more questions and absolutely no answers. It's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, don't expect to learn any like solid proofs of anything. You're not getting that. Um, but we also we have a Patreon. You can go there. We have a couple bonuses a week, usually sometimes three. Um, and if you want another place to get some of our bonus episodes and bonus episodes from some of the other shows we do, soon we're going to be adding a subscription channel on the Apple Podcast. If you listen on Apple, you can just subscribe to the network's paid subscription and get all bonuses from us, Systematic Ecology, Dummy for Theology, and all the other shows over there. So that's cool. Maybe check that out. Maybe not. If you're like me, you're too poor for that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, man. And now, now, Josh, I, uh, I have a favorite form of unity. It's a spiritual practice I do over here where uh, it's called silliness. Yeah, because it turns out if you're goofy enough, it's actually impossible to be divided. So today's we're starting with. Uh, oh, this is very similar to one I did with uh, Dr. Ord recently. Today's is if who is your favorite God featured in a video game? Hmm. Yeah, so I love and respect silliness because uh, it, 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 <laughs> it embraces a, a, a bit of my personality. But I think uh, mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take somewhat of what might be considered a, a cop out of an answer. I'm gonna say Alexander Ovechkin is my favorite god featured in a video game. He is the captain of the Washington Capitals, and, which is an ice hockey <laughs> team. And nice. he is the greatest goal scorer in recent NHL memory. So I would say Alex Ovechkin is a hockey god. Um, and <laughs> we'll consider Very him nice. my favorite god. But if uh, I don't know if, if Loki is represented in any kind of video games, but if Loki is represented, sure is. he is my, my backup answer. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Loki, the god of mischief. So <laughs> I am... Um... <laughs> I might have to cheat on my own question. Um, so in there's a video game called Folklore. It was like early PS3. I don't know if they made any any sequels or not. But one of the lands was the land of the gods. In every single creature, because it, it's like basically Pokemon, but super paranormal, supernatural kind of stuff. Um, one, all of the creatures you catch or you can catch in the land of the gods, they're all my favorite. They're so cool, just so freaking cool. And uh, that's my cop out answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If we have to go with real answers, I'm going with. Um, I probably go with Odin from some of the more recent um, God of War game stuff. Those are fun. But 
Yeah, God, God of War was like the only place I knew gods to be active in video games. And I was like, well, I haven't really like played them too much, but <laughs> I play the crap out of NHL. So Alex Ovechkin does oh, yeah. well for me, at least, you know, and in real life, he seems to do well. So <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of cool game, uh, gods in like Elder Scrolls stuff, too, but they're a little too creepy for me. Like, I, I'm honestly I'm really vanilla. <laughs> like, I'm just so boring. But um also, I, I really thought about because Kingdom Hearts are some of my favorites. So I thought about just like pulling like Hercules or Hades. I was like, ah, you know, I feel like people just get tired of hearing me talk about Kingdom Hearts. And then here I am talking about Kingdom Hearts anyway. So, oh, well, <laughs> well, solid answer. I I'll, I'll take Kingdom Hearts. I, I have yeah. uh, fond memories of playing Kingdom Hearts on PS2 uh, in my early days as a wee lad. So I'll, I'll take the uh, <laughs> I'll take the nod. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> because i grew up in like a super conservative home i like it was kind of beyond me to think that things could exist without jesus <laughs> so i think whenever i played that first game and you have king mickey like in kingdom hearts with all the darkness like i think i always just grew up thinking okay so king mickey is jesus in these games <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is solid all right there we go now and i'm 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 awaiting your book on the uh the subject so <laughs> yeah yeah christology and kingdom of hearts <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean now that i'm older up like i know it wasn't intended to be that but also it kind of was <laughs> anyway anyway yeah y'all have to wait on the book i can't give away too much here yeah but... don't 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 uh don't sell out yet just wait till the book comes yeah, out yeah yeah <laughs> well we actually invited you on the show a while back while we were recording a patron episode for our other show so Systematic Ecology has this show, Drinks with Tejas, where TJ just interviews people about beverages with zero discrimination. I think most recently they were talking about ginger ale versus ginger beer. Um, I know they did a whole thing about Pepsi. And back, I want to say it was like February or January, we talked to you about kind of your history in brewing. And then, you know, I was like, you know, I really love your podcast. And it was just so much fun interviewing. I was like, we, we got to have this guy back. So we figured it out. Um, I'll be honest, guys, this week, it was a struggle for both of us. We both changed the recording of this at least once. <laughs> so, but we're here and um, we know you have a pretty wild backstory for our listeners who haven't heard you over on Systematic Ecology's Patreon. They should go sign up and give us money. Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> for listeners who haven't heard that, um, would you mind kind of just sharing some about your story, like your faith journey your experiences with the church and, you know, out of the church since then? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll preface it by saying that I think the listeners should sign up and give you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'll try to do a, a kind of like a quick overview. I, I grew up as like almost like a Christer, you know, to use some Christianese language, a, a Christmas and Easter kind of Christian um, until my Perfect. parents uh, attended this thing called the Walk to Emmaus, which was like the spiritual retreat for adults. Um, and that happened probably when I was like late elementary school, like fifth, sixth grade. Um, and then started going to church on a regular basis. I grew up, uh, started in a Methodist church. Then my parents discovered the wondrous, you know, beauty of early 2000s uh, contemporary Christian music, you know, super <laughs> fun. <laughs> and uh, started going to the Southern Baptist Church down the road. Uh, so I grew up there, uh, or, or I was going there for a while, you know, late middle school, all through high school. Um, a wrinkle in that came when my brother, uh, Jordan came out when he was mm. in seventh grade, um, as, as gay. And, um, 
we were, my family was kicked out of the church. They literally told us the head pastor said, "You are no longer welcome here." Uh, oh man! Bye. <laughs> so we we left that church, um, and that that that's a whole other story. But just to you know to kind of follow my trajectory, I ended up staying within the you know the church world. Um, went to a, a Christian college when I graduated high school, uh, Messiah University, um, which maybe some people know it's in Pennsylvania. Um, when I graduated from Messiah, I started working for Youth for Christ, uh, which is like a parachurch organization. Um, mm-hmm. I did Campus Life, which is a, a program for like high school students. And basically, like I started a little club in a school mm-hmm. and was like, hey, Jesus is a cool thing. Um <laughs> And so I, I did that for a year and then ended up moving to South Florida. So I, I, I'm from uh, Maryland. Um, so I moved from Maryland to South Florida, uh, where I became a teaching pastor um, at a church in, in Boca Raton. Uh, they're a church that kind of like Voldemort shall not be named. Um, <laughs> although I just said the V word. So, you know. You might have to edit that one out, but <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. that was that was a less than stellar um, situation. Yeah. Uh, I was there for about eight months, and when I was there, I experienced uh, verbal, spiritual, emotional, borderline physical abuse. Um, ended up leaving there, hopped over to a little Methodist church where I became a high school pastor, or mm-hmm. actually youth pastor. Forgive me, because um, I did like fifth grade through high school there, um, and then ended up. You know, that church had issues of its own, but um, ultimately ended up moving back to Maryland where I was a high school and young adult pastor at an amazing church called Seneca Creek Community Church. Uh, so if anybody's in Maryland, it's it's a beautiful church. I have no qualms with them, but the damage was kind of already done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in therapy. I was, you know, interacting with a spiritual director at the time and really asking a lot of questions, kind of wrestling with, you know, my past experience weighed heavily on me. Some of the kind of nerdy questions I was wrestling with weighed heavily on me. Um, today it's popular to call like deconstruction. So I was like experiencing deconstruction as a pastor, plus this like crazy experience I had in my past. I didn't know what to do. Ultimately I ended up walking away from vocational ministry after like eight months of discernment with an amazing spiritual director. Um, and now I'm a brewer. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I started bartending first long story, but ultimately ended up in brewing. Um, so now I, I brew beer, uh, for a living and podcasts on the side and consider myself theologian adjacent. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of, that's like the, the short quick and dirty version of, uh, of my story. I mean, I have, I have a lot I want to go back to, but before I do, <laughs> what's, um, do you have a faith community now? Or like, if you do, wh- where, where is that? Cause I know, you know, I mentioned your rethinking faith. I love that podcast. I know you talk to a lot of like Thomas Ord and other people who, who I would consider Christian still. Is that um? What's your faith community like right now? Yeah, so I, I well, I'll go on the record first, just for listeners, you know, maybe put them at ease a little bit to say I, I still consider myself a Christian <laughs> or a follower of Jesus. Um, current faith community, though, uh, so like honestly, when I stopped working in the church, I stopped going to church, yeah. um, and it was about a year and a half. 
And then there is a beautiful, so I live in Baltimore City um, now with my wife and uh, that's where we bought our first house. And you can see a beautiful Episcopal church from the front porch of our house. It looks like a medieval castle, like nice. that kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, like the you know big stone building, like the stained glass windows, etc. Gothic archetype, you know, architecture that you expect in Baltimore City. Um, so I, I I did check them out a few times um, and had a had a positive experience there. A lot of healing. Um, it was cool. The service was a lot different than what I was used to as like a non denominational yeah. <laughs> pastor. You know, um, the priest uh, Monique, she's amazing. She is a a uh, gay black woman, <laughs> which was wow. very different for yeah. me compared to what I grew up with. Um, so that that was a really cool experience. Uh, most people there, like I, I feel like I brought the age average down by like at least forty <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't much community there for me, although I liked the service. Um, I actually I found a lot of what I considered my community at uh, Full Tilt Brewing where I used to work until they yeah. uh, recently went out of business. Um, I found community amongst the staff and also the regulars there. Um, mm-hmm. And I have, I have a buddy named Jace. He's a mentor slash friend of mine uh, who's a pastor and likes to argue with me about ecclesiology. <laughs> yeah. And uh, whenever I would describe this community as my faith community, he would you know kind of give me crap for it. But we, <laughs> we broke bread together. Uh, right. we definitely drank together. Uh, we <laughs> celebrated when there was things to be celebrated. We mourned when there were things to be mourned. Um, we danced together. We sung together. Uh, we shared life together. And that, that was like a very helpful community for me that I found after losing the community, uh, that I had in the church. Cause I, I, that was always my favorite thing was the community mm-hmm. that I yeah. had. So I'm, I'm still kind of searching for that. If I can be honest with you, um, yeah. my buddy, Nick, who was the owner of full tilt recently invited me to uh, attend his church. Um, and I did, and the people there are, are super nice and cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm still kind of searching out, like, what does it mean to find a faith community, um, where I am accepted and loved for who I am. <laughs> and so yeah. that's, I'm I'm kind of in uh in limbo, so to speak, or uh purgatory if that word's allowed to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh I'm I'm actively searching for some kind of faith community because I, I that is what I miss the most. So Yeah. I um instead of us tag team teaching, I'm gonna say teaching instead of preaching, um, listeners should just read Ephesians four and keep in mind that the entire letter of the, to the Ephesians was just Paul explaining to them what church means. I'm just going to leave that alone because a lot of what you said, I was like, is he just like loosely quoting Ephesians four or, you know, you're talking about like singing, dancing. I was like, Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I find it really interesting right now. I'm attending a Lutheran church. Um, it's weird to me that a lot of the more, I, I think the one where I attend kind of seems to be a little bit more middle of the road, which is probably where I would consider myself, but it, it's strange to me that a lot of the extremely conservative, what I think is even toxic environments in some churches, I'm not saying every conservative church is toxic. I'm just, I'm talking about specific groups of churches. Hopefully people know what I'm talking about. It's weird that a lot of them seem like they have the the youngest church members compared to some of the more 
like uber progressive liturgical churches where it's all like older people. And I'm like, what? It's so weird because it just does not match like overall demographics on what people believe. And I'm like, what? Why is church world so backwards? <laughs> um, that's just a side note. I just think it's funny. But I also just want to say Rev Covery is another podcast that's I really like everything they do over there and um, what Sarah does, just helping people kind of work through some trauma and stuff and how to deal with it. I like how I'm throwing out resources before we get into some of the other stuff. So I'm going back. That's um, good stuff. <laughs> I, I love Rev Covery. I've, I've had from oh, conversations man. with them. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that too. <laughs> I know she's been on your show and I think you've been on their show before too. And I'm just like, Oh man, that's like a crossover, like old Disney channel status. This is great. Um, but I'm kind of curious and I hope this isn't too personal, but you mentioned back when you were family was at an SBC church. They just kind of told y'all to leave when your brother came out. And maybe this is just me being the more emotional one here, but I'm like, why wasn't that the moment that you just stopped dealing with church people altogether? Cause like, even if they're right, that's just so unloving that I'm like, I, I don't want anything to do with those people. Yeah, that that's a really good question. And uh, I don't have a good answer for you because kind of what I defaulted to was like, basically in my mind, I was like, these people aren't what they told me Jesus stands for. And so for me at the time, instead of being like, oh, now all church sucks, all Christians are the worst. I like these people aren't understanding the the, the, the things that they're they're preaching because, you know, it doesn't align with what I've been taught. And so I didn't have that surprisingly isn't the thing that gave me a crisis of faith. I just assumed like eh, they're not handling this great because like at the time, even though I never and like to my parents credit, my parents never, even though I would say I grew up in a more conservative Christian evangelical home. My parents never, 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 never shunned my brother. Actually, so both of my brothers are within the LGBTQ community. Um, never shunned either of them. Never kicked them out of the house. Never, you know, told them they're going to hell, etc. They only just loved and supported them. And I got to watch my pe- parents wrestle with my experience of my kids is not aligning with what I've been taught in church. And so I got to kind of watch them interact and they always chose their kids. Uh, so like nice kudos to them for that. So like for me, I had a good, my parents did a, did good. <laughs> and yeah. even though me being the more nerdy individual, I, I never had an issue with like my brother being gay. I had like theological questions in my mind that I kind of like bracketed mm-hmm. out and was like, well, this is my brother. Like, what else do you want me to do? You know what I mean? So like I didn't allow that specific instance to characterize the whole church. It got more difficult over time, but like, yes, I, I actually haven't thought about that. Why that wasn't the thing that kind of like, eh, uh, you know, I think NT Wright would be sad when he found out that uh, my brother getting kicked out of the, you know, church for being gay isn't what, you know, ultimately set me on my quote unquote deconstruction, but rather reading his book, Surprised by Hope, is the thing that did that, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> oh. think was N.T. Wright's uh, intent. So, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go yeah. ahead and go there then. Why, why, why was that book? <laughs> what did it? Yeah, well, it's it, so it, it broke my eschatology and my understanding of what it means to be saved because 
Yeah. Uh, growing up, I was taught that the only thing that mattered was my ethereal soul that somehow gets to you know float off into wherever heaven is, and that's what ultimately matters. But then, and you know, I started reading mm-hmm. N.T. Wright, and he was talking about, well, no, actually, the Bible is much more beautiful that than that. It talks about heaven and earth being reunited together once again, and um, it's it's about you know Jesus, the resurrection of Christ was not some one off event, but rather the the first fruits of what's the promise for you know, all of us and we're all going to be resurrected. And there's this beautiful, like somehow physical heaven thing on earth. And like, that's what the kingdom of God is. And that, that just like broke all of everything yeah. I was taught. Cause I was taught like dispensational eschatology about like the rapture and like the earth is mm-hmm. terrible, et cetera, et cetera. So NT Wright just kind of opened me up to a different form of the faith yeah and i was like oh i thought that all christians believe that the rapture was a thing and that you know uh the earth doesn't matter and our bodies don't matter only our souls do like i thought that was normal (laughs) and then tri was like (laughs) well maybe not so (laughs) yeah yeah wild i think um interestingly i think my version of that is i'm a crazy person so after I kind of tried to leave the faith and just kind of uh, realized, ironically, I was trying to read the Bible to prove the Bible wrong. And then I was like, I need to learn to read this better so I can make sure that it's wrong. And then I ended up across some like Pete in stuff and some like um, the the Bible is literature, which is funny because it was like a textbook. It wasn't even like a it wasn't progressive, conservative or anything. It's just a textbook. And I'm like, OK. And then somehow I went from that to kind of rethinking my relationship with the Bible and went. I need what the early church thought about the Bible. And then I was like, well, the early church was mostly Catholics. We don't like Catholics except for like these three people. And I ended up reading all of Augustine's or Augustine's uh, city of God. And I was like, huh, we're not doing this, this racial justice thing. We're not doing political stuff for the kingdom here. We're kind of against this, this and that. I'm like, I think the church stopped being the church. <laughs> and Ironically, I, I went against the church for a while, and, and then somehow I came back around to no. The thing isn't to attack the church; the thing is to help the church be the church again. And that's how, you know, that's how we get whole church podcast. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah well, I, I I love that, and I think based off what you know what you're saying, I think is is what you're offering is a prophetic voice <laughs> because <laughs> you know if if I can use that kind of language because I know that yeah. can be uh, difficult but I when I think of prophecy within scripture I, I I'm not thinking about like oh they're predicting the future like kind of like crystal ball kind of thing but rather the the role of the prophets was to remind the people of God the body of Christ the church etc of who they were and when they were doing stuff that was stupid they'd be like hey if you keep doing stupid stuff, stupid things will happen to you. <laughs> and so like the, the role of the prophets is to speak to not not because they're like anti the church, but they're like, no, I love this this group of people. I love the body of Christ. I love the you know people of Israel. However you want to you know phrase that and say like mm-hmm. we're not doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. And so I think this prophetic critique is something that has been lost. Within a lot of, not all, but within a lot of American uh, evangelical Christianity. And like, I think shows like this and, and people who are willing to kind of speak truth to power, to use that, that language are speaking prophetically (laughs) in a biblical sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's weird because I feel like a lot of times when people think of stuff like that, they think it's all preach fire and brimstone, tell them we're doing wrong and then divide and start over kind of stuff, which, man, this is getting really nerdy. But that's sort of like the the John Stott and Martin Lloyd-Jones big debate that they had. Like, should we start over or should we revive or should we, you know, change what we are? And it's funny how, like, now the church's big sin is what? Sexual sins. That's the thing we want to harp on. And what is your personal sins and how do you personally get salvation? But if you look at, like, the first few hundred years of the church, it's, no, the big sin is dividing. The big sin is leaving the church. The big sin is not being together as one. And that's why all the creeds were so important early on. Man. Sorry, we got really nerdy on <laughs> everybody. Yeah, drop it but, like it's hot. Stuff. All right. Stuff, um. <laughs> Now, I did want to, because I'm sure we mentioned deconstruction and <laughs> prophecy and being, you being a brewer. And it's like, ah, I uh, we threw out all of the big, like, no-no words. <laughs> so I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and help our audience get to know you a little bit better. Just kind of I, ironically, I did. This is always like our challenge room is like we go through or you're allowed one sentence per question. We're allowed to do no follow-ups. But the ultimate challenge round. I made this one originally for Trip Fuller. I used it one other time and I was like, I'm going to pull this back out for Josh to see what he does with these questions. <laughs> so one sentence or less, you think you're up for it? Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it, but I don't know that I can, <laughs> I can compete with Trip. but well, I'll, I'll do my best. And if, uh, you know, if Trip listens, then Trip, <laughs> get ready to get wrecked. Homeboy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know where Skip are both perfectly fine <laughs> answers because that's how I'd answer probably a lot of these. Okay. Who or what is God? One word, love. A sentence, God is the nothing less than personal creative generative principle of all that is. Ooh. Ooh. Some big words. I like it. Okay. What is salvation? Salvation is the awakening to the reality of who you truly are, a child of God. Man. And there's implications that follow that, <laughs> that changed your life. <laughs> uh, I hate not being able to do follow-up questions. This is why TJ has to do this part. I can't do this. What is the significance of incarnation? So for me as a panentheist, not pantheist, but panentheist, Incarnation is the whole game. Uh, dang it. One sentence is crushing me. Incarnate. All right. I'll, I'll do it in a Christian way. Incarnation is important because it represents the truth that God decided to not be God without us. Ooh. Ooh. Incarnation. I like that. Okay. What is the significance of baptism and the Eucharist? You have to do both in one sentence. Baptism is super cool because it's a symbolic way to uh, say like, hey, we're all in this uh, family together. And Eucharist is a Eucharist is a form of resistance because it's a table that allows all people to come together and unite around one core event, uh, mm. namely Jesus, and say, this is what it's all about. Mm, like it. What authority, if any does scripture have scripture <laughs> dang it i'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> with this one scripture has the authority that any given faith community gives to it hmm. 
Man. So it's an agreed upon authority. No follow-up questions suck. What authority, <laughs> if any, does tradition have? Tradition has the agreed upon, <laughs> has the same authority as scripture. It's an agreed upon authority based off the faith tradition uh, and what uh, authority they give to it. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. Okay, what are your views? <laughs> What are your views on destiny or predestination? So I am a process thinker slash open, you know, open and relational theologian is maybe a more lay person way of saying that. So I believe that the future is genuinely open and therefore God does not know the future because it does not yet exist. So God therefore cannot know it. And you and I and everybody else and all of creation is actively writing history together with the divine, whether we give into mm. the divine lore for good, beauty, true love, etc., or we give into the uh, less than stellar side of things. Oh man, can God change? Well, that's an easy one for you. <laughs> uh, so I would say God has, in its essence, experience binate, which is language I steal from Tom Ward, which means God's experience. Or God's essence does not change. The core of who God is does not change, but God's experience does. In process language, this is the difference between the uh, primordial nature of God and the cos- consequence nature of God. Ooh, man, man. Okay, what do you love about the Bible? Yeah, I, so I love that the Bible is a collection of voices coming together, wrestling with faith, and inviting the readers or listeners into the conversation and encouraging us to wrestle with the deep questions of faith in a way that inherits the tradition that we've been given in a way that is faithful but also moves beyond it uh, in a way that makes sense for faith today how do we relate to god close your eyes take a breath there is god Hmm. okay last one i have to change a little bit uh, how many of the seven sacraments do you hold to and which ones? I can list them out if it helps. I'll be honest. I have to look at uh, the seven that I listed because I don't know the seven sacraments. Um, yeah. So I'm, I can't do this in one sentence, so forgive me. But I'm, <laughs> I'm down with baptism. That's pretty cool. Uh, confirmation is cool as long as we're not brainwashing children. Uh, the Eucharist is my favorite thing. Um Penance is helpful because I think it's true that humans have an enormous propensity to uh, F things up. And when we can be honest about that, uh, penance is uh, helpful. Um, Anointing of the sick is really cool because like, I think Jesus was kind of all about taking care of the marginalized and the sick uh, sick are involved in that. Uh, Marriage is super cool um, because I love my wife. And uh, holy orders, I'm not quite sure what that means, but... um, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> For those wondering, uh, he did use a bunch of semicolons, so that was one sentence. Um, one sentence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ronald said it was like a right. academic one. You know how yeah. they just cheat and use semicolons and write <laughs> three pages worth of text, and you're like, how is that one sentence? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, one of the earlier ones we did with this was uh, with Father Jonathan of the Orthodox Church, and he did. He out loud said semicolon hyphen. <laughs> No, it was it was a it was pretty great. Yeah, my grammar is not that good, so Jonathan, <laughs> Father Jonathan, did way better than I could ever hope to do. <laughs> well, he'll he'll comment down below and just punctuate your sentence for you. It's fine. 
I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you, Father, Father Jonathan. Jonathan. If you're listening, <laughs> we do expect that from you. <laughs> oh man, I I had so many others I thought was interesting. Um, now that it's over, I do want to mention because you mentioned the time thing. The other podcast I just started, uh, Dummy for Theology. I do one of when even is God or something like that, or what even is time. That's what it was. So the philosophical theory of the unfolding time. If that theory of time's correct, then process relational theology has to be correct, I think. Because, yeah, future doesn't exist yet. Past exists. The present has a bunch of potential futures all caught up in one block that's here and now. So that's always fun. I, I actually really like philosophy. And I had a lot of fun in college when I was like, wait a minute. I don't even have to say Jesus. I could just think about whatever weird stuff we think of. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 Philosophy. And also, like... Uh, if you haven't interacted with him, uh, R.T. Mullins is kind of like I that. when I think about time questions, like he's the guy I go to. Uh, he's super kind. I, I'd be happy to introduce you to him. Um, but yeah, Sweet. R.T. Mullins is kind of like the time guy, so to speak. <laughs> OK, that so, sounds fun. Yeah. Okay, so fun I wrote to talk to. his name down. I'll uh, I'll try and get your his information from you later. Yeah, and I'm oh, pretty sure he's yeah. like definitely not an open theist and stuff. So he disagrees with me, but he's fine and like likes talking with people so <laughs> that's fun i always like those conversations where it's like i don't fully agree with you but man this was good that's like i'm not an open and relational theologian uh personally i kind of lean more towards optimism or optimism <laughs> omnipotence and uh it was really fun because we did a we did a conversation with dr ord about his newest book and he's one of my favorite people to talk to just ever <laughs> and i gave him a heads up i was like hey now that i know that we could just talk I'm just going to get to a point and we're just going to start going back and forth and just letting things be. <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. Um, but another podcast I really like is your podcast. I mentioned before, Rethinking Faith. If anyone hasn't checked it out, they should check it out. It's like re in parentheses too. So it just look like even the wording looks cool. And like it's one of – it's actually ironically the only podcast sticker I have on my computer. I have four stickers on my computer now, and like three of them are mental health, and one of them is rethinking faith. <laughs> Hooray, rethinking faith! <laughs> yeah, it's like a reminder to myself three different times that hey, it's okay to not be okay, and then the other one is rethinking faith. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Um, I dig it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for obvious so, reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a brain; it kind of goes with everything else. Still, it's it's fine. Um, but part of part of why I really enjoy your show is. A, because I, even though I'm just kind of leaving some of the conservative stuff, I'm not like in progressive groups a lot of the time. So kind of get to be introduced to a lot of people I probably wouldn't be introduced to otherwise. So that was really cool. And you're just easy to talk to. All of your guests seem like they have a really easy time talking to you. So it's a great time. And I just kind of, I, I like that your show isn't just, here's the answers, here is my way. And it's a lot more conversational and actually just kind of grappling with what is true, grappling with like the things of God and stuff. Um, could you kind of fill our listeners in on like, what is your podcast about in your own words and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, sure. So the podcast has definitely kind of um, shifted and evolved over time. I originally started with a friend of mine named Andy and the idea was like, yo, Andy, uh, you and I are on like, opposite sides of the theological spectrum let's start a podcast where we can have honest conversations mm -hmm. um that doesn't result in like you're dumb no you're dumb <laughs> and like <laughs> just try to have like you know honest conversation and so that worked until it didn't um 
Andy eventually left the show after about 30 episodes and was like, yeah, dude, like based off my denomination, I can't be involved <laughs> with this kind of thing or I'm not going to be able to be allowed in my denomination. So yeah, um, that kind of shifted and it, it kind of just turned into – and this this sounds super selfish and perhaps it's because it is but like it kind of turned into like a Josh's journey of faith um mm-hmm. and it's just it kind of resulted in me talking to the people that I wanted to talk about <laughs> and talk to and uh, <laughs> asking the kind of questions that I wanted to ask and ultimately like today I feel like rethinking faith uh what I hope rethinking faith is is that it's a podcast that uh encourages open and honest conversation where we can bring our full selves uh with no shame or you know whatever and tries to offer a variety of perspectives and ways of thinking within originally it was just like the larger christian faith but even now like i'm i'm down with like interfaith dialogue like Uh how can we answer these questions in a way that doesn't just look like the very small sliver of Christianity that we were given growing up. Uh So ultimately I'm just trying to help people um, who went through the same kind of not great stuff that I did and try to be the kind of person that I wish I had in my life 10, 15 years ago (laughs) and, and kind of invite people into that journey. So it's, it's, it's deep, it's raw, it's authentic. It's episodes don't agree with each other, you know, (laughs) They yeah, kind of, perfect. yeah, so it, it's that kind of thing. It, it's ultimately mo- mo- mostly like, here's Josh's own theological journey, do with it what you will. Um, but I'm trying to invite people into that journey and and hopefully if I go deep enough within, inside myself, other people might find themselves there too. And that's, that's my goal. Yeah. So is it like rethinking faith as in like you're rethinking your faith and that's kind of the journey? That Yeah, so that's definitely a part of it. I mean, it definitely – you know, I was I was thinking through things and when it started, I thought that I kind of had all the answers and just wanted to prove my friend Andy wrong. But in a way that was, you know, like good and honest and wholesome, yeah. whatever. Uh, but as I kept going, I just kind of the way that I look at things is that um, we're all in process, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that the person that I am even currently in this moment is different than the person I was when we first started this conversation. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested in, in that journey and that experience and how the divine is interactive in and through each moment. And then offering people like, Hey, here's fun conversations about a variety of theological topics, whether it be, theodicy or atonement soteriology whatever Mm -hmm. um like how do we interact with those things as we take our experience seriously as we take our relationships seriously um as we take our tradition (laughs) and the bible seriously (laughs) yeah um and kind of go from there so yeah it's it's just just I don't know. I'm on a journey of becoming is the way I say it in the intro to the podcast. And I think everybody else is too. And I just want to be honest about my journey in hopes that maybe some other people find themselves there and uh, it kind of gives them a little refuge or a place where they know that they are seen, loved and belong. Yeah. It kind of makes me think of one of my earlier questions because I know you talked about kind of your faith community being a lot of the people that go to the brewery and stuff too. And I I think 
in my own experience, a lot of the times that I've had what I would consider where I did the most church, the most churching has been like when I worked at like Domino's or different places where like people were genuinely interacting because they weren't in a building where they felt like they had to answer things certain ways. And I think right now I'm at a point, oddly enough, where like I go to a church building, I do church there, you know, I do the liturgy, all that stuff. I partake in the Eucharist, but I think my real faith community is kind of become like this podcast community. And it's funny for me doing whole church because it's like I have some people that are like wildly different that are all part of this like thing. And I'm like, yeah, I know there's some questions that I'm probably going to go to trip for. There's some people I'm probably going to message Thomas Ord. Um, actually, Russell Moore is on my email list for, for different things. You know what I'm like? I just have like these people who are like not the same at all. And I'm like, why is my community this weird online <laughs> like Maj Paz, but I love it. Uh, I think that's like one of the biggest advantages of podcasting is you just get to meet some really cool people. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I met you at trips thing. So yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, at theology beer camp. And I, I mean, I'm with you, dude. I think like that's been such a gift of podcasting is I've, I've got to talk to some really amazing people and make some like really cool friends. Like, um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be friends with, you know, people that I look up to and, and still like on a, on a regular basis, I'm like, why the heck are these people even my friends and why do they talk to me? And I'm, you know, people like Trip Fuller and Dan Coke and like both of them, uh, mean more to me than like either of them will ever know. And, and people like Tom Ward and my buddy Jace Broadhurst and people like, you know, like Sarah Heath and, and Sari and, um, you know, Tony Jones, these, these are all people that like, for whatever reason, didn't just write me off like a bunch of other people <laughs> did. Yeah. And so like, I've got to meet all these cool people and then also like interact with other cool people. Like, you know, I've interviewed Rob Bell. That's crazy. I've interviewed That's like awesome. Tom, Tom Ord that are, yeah. Tom Ord is awesome. Like I love Tom <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Tom, Tom went from like being an influence in my life to a friend. Um, but like, uh, Tom Wright is who I was also going to say, like NT Wright, massive influence in my life. Got to interview him, like so many cool people. Um, and that's kind of like the secret reason I like podcasting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like really like we say we do it for other people, but honestly, like <laughs> definitely like I'm selfish. I'm like, dude, you're telling me that I get to talk to like X, Y, and Z. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. I could just uh, <laughs> just book Pete Inns and like he'll just agree to talk to me for forty minutes. <laughs> like that's right, awesome. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I think I I went about crazy and like like almost like you know like when you're dating somebody and you just like really overthink how you respond to a text. Um, Trip texted us once after a podcast we released. Dude, it was me and TJ talking about pirates on the Geek Show. And was like, you guys need to do an episode all about Veggie Tales, the pirates who don't do anything. And like, it was a hilarious text. But in my head, I'm like, Trip just asked, just texted me something that had nothing to do with like a project working on or anything. Like, I have to answer like cool and be like, yeah, man, yeah, bro, what's going on, friend? <laughs> you know, like, how do I do this? No, <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I very much. Uh, empathize with that yeah. <laughs> i feel you oh, <laughs> it's kind of which, crazy do you have any favorite interviews or like episodes you've done that you like if someone asks you where to start on rethinking faith you're like definitely check this one out yeah that's i was looking at the <laughs> this this is one of the questions i was like most worried about because i don't 
I don't have a good answer. The the way I would say it is like, if you're interested in rethinking faith for whatever reason, I would just like pull up the show on whatever podcast platform you like listening to, and then look for a topic or a person. You know, maybe like the guest, or like maybe the title of the sh- like the episode intrigues you, and just like start there. Um, yeah, because it's not like. Ep- episodic in the sense where it's not like oh you have to listen to the last one to get this one um but really it's more so like just kind of random i don't really have a (laughs) reason or or a method (laughs) as to why i put out episodes when i do um yeah i mean yeah but yeah but i mean i've i've enjoyed i have some really fun episodes i've done like not to harp on it because you already did and he's gonna like you know build his ego and whatever but like (laughs) I always love talking to Trip. Um, oh yeah, I, I like to joke with him and and tell him and Dan. And I'm like, yeah. So whenever I talk with Trip Fuller, it makes me want to be a Christian. Whenever I talk with Dan Coke, eh, not so much. But uh, that's like so mean. And Dan does not oh, like yeah. when I say that. <laughs> so oh, I don't often say it. But like, it's just a joke. But um, anything with Trip or Dan, I, I've loved and like done his stuff with uh, Tom Ward. Um, I mean, I have episodes. Where I started to go crying. Find the Rob Bell episode. Like, yeah, the Rob Bell episode is a thing, but like, I, I don't know. It's it's hard because I feel like every episode that I that is most recent is like my favorite, and then next week is another one. So it's it's hard, and that's like a really stupid answer. So forgive me, but I <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, just probably answered the same way. It's fine. Yeah, I just want people to find the one that like they're interested in. Like, go look and be like, oh, this one with. You know, whoever sounds really cool, like Heather Hamilton. Wow, this sounds fun. Let me listen to this one. Whatever. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I know one of my favorites was when Sarah was on the show. But I always wonder is like if it was like recency bias, because like I had just met both of you not that long ago. And I was like, oh, I know these guys. (laughs) It's always so like, I don't know. something for me, it's always really cool when you hear people that, you know, and kind of get to learn them about them a little bit more on a podcast, because like you don't have to do that awkward thing of like. Hey, bro. So uh, what's your testimony? You know, like you don't want to do that. But it's like I like I like hearing people's origin stories, I guess. They're yeah, just fun. That, for sure. And I do have like an origin story episode where I haven't listened to it in a while. But there definitely is like a Josh's story episode uh, where my former co-host Greg interviewed me. So I current Josh might dislike former Josh. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it exists. Yeah. Yeah. But. Oh, man. So our show, we are mostly concerned with like church unity stuff. Um, and, and I guess we talked a lot about like how we view Ecclesia and how other people view it maybe a little bit different. Um, do you think there's a good way for those who are still like part of – I'm trying to think of the right way to say it because I don't want to be like the institutional church. But you, you know what I mean? Like part of the church in that sense can better reach out to people who have gone through like church hurt, some deconstruction, who aren't attending a building church that – we would still consider part of the church. Yeah. This terminology is getting really weird. Hopefully you know what I mean, but like, is there a way for people who are still a part of the institutional church to reach out to Christians who aren't going to church without it being like, Hey, come back. You need to be in the building, but like in an actual helpful way. Yeah. I think that's a really good question. And it's, it's a difficult question to wrestle with because the way I would answer that is, you know, I'll tap into my uh, quote unquote pastoral side and say, that I think it's it's going to depend on the individual, because um, I think one thing that sometimes, not all, but sometimes, 
we have a tendency to do is write people off who are walking away from church and be like, oh, well, they just they don't know the real gospel or they don't, you know, this, that, like it wasn't, you know, Jesus that hurt people. It was just like silly people, whatever, etc. So like I think escaping kind of that mindset is really helpful and recognizing like, no, there are there are genuine legitimate reasons that people are stepping away from, you know, the church today. And then kind of just allowing people to have the, the way Rob Bell says it is let them have their trip. Um, and this can be really difficult. I mean, especially for me, cause I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, when I see a problem, I want to fix it. And so when I see people like, Oh, like, well, I don't know about this. Or I don't know about that. And I'm like, well, your theology just sucks. Like I want to fix that. But I think rather allowing people to have that experience and recognize that all of us are on, to use more language from, from the podcast, like all of us are on our own journey of becoming and all of us have to do that journey ourselves. We can't, Mm -hmm. that journey can't be forced um, upon us. So what I think is more interesting and compelling and hopeful, helpful and hopeful is Allowing somebody to walk away, not judging them or condemning them for it, but rather maintaining friendship and genuine relationship that isn't predicated on you believe like me. And then maybe one day they'll return, you know, like think about like the prodigal son story, but also being comfortable with like maybe one day they won't. And that's I know that's difficult, but also in my perspective, it's cool because I'm like a pluralist, but like allow that to be the thing. And I'm more interested in how are you loving somebody? How are you responding to somebody in genuine relationship? Um, And how are you making sure that person knows that they are loved, that they belong and that they're accepted uh, for who they are? So I'm more interested in that than arguing with people about their beliefs or saying that their church hurt doesn't matter or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of where I would go. I don't know if that's a good answer, but it's a direction <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I like it more, you know, I don't see uh, uh, there's something that like one of the things Francis Chan points out in the book, Erasing hell that I really like, he points out that Jesus never talks about hell to the sinners or to poor people. <laughs> it's always either like the, the religious people or the rich people. And I was like, Oh Yeah. And it's interesting how like when Jesus meets people who are like kind of getting away from religion, you know, they didn't have church yet, but like his response was always love and care and to care for them in some way. So I feel like that's kind of sounds like you're trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. There's a, recently I was teaching uh, my buddy Jace, who I've mentioned a few times so far, does this thing called Tuesday school, which is mm-hmm. like, he, so Jace is like PhD in uh, old Testament um, degree in like hermeneutics, etc. wicked nice. smart dude. And so I like helped, I help him teach this class ever so often. And basically what happens is Jace is within a specific tradition, not going to name it where <laughs> uh, if he says certain things, he'll get in trouble and get fired. But if somebody else says it and he interacts with it, <laughs> it's all good. So That's I funny. come in and Jace is like, Hey, can you come like, yeah. Anyway, so recently I was, you know, somebody asked me a question and it like kicked on like pastor Josh mode and I started preaching and oh, Jace man. was like, whoa, 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 Josh, you're sounding like a Christian right now. And uh, 
That's funny. You know, I, I kind of let it go at the time, but in my mind, it reminded me of this scene from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean <sighs> where somebody tells Jack Sparrow, like, whoa, you were actually telling the truth? And he was like, yeah, I do that an awfully lot. And yet somehow nobody ever believes me. And so like, <laughs> I like made oh, a man. meme of like Jace telling me like, Josh, you're sounding like a Christian. I was like, yeah, I do that all the time. And yet somehow everyone's always surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, those are some of my so, favorite movies. Those are good times. Yeah. Disney and Pirates references aside, um, if y'all want to hear more of those, I will always make them at Systematic Geekology. Any chance someone wants me to talk about Pirates, just please let me know. Any excuse, I'll take it. Um, so are there any questions um, that you would like people to ask you more often that I haven't asked yet? Um, yeah, I think often I well, depending on the audience, I get written off as like a crazy progressive liberal or something like that. <laughs> uh, and so sad. I wish I wish one thing people would ask me more is uh, maybe like. I'll even use super like evangelical language. Like what is your personal relationship with Jesus look like? And how has that influenced your personal theology, philosophy, ethics, etc.? Cause I think a lot of the times it's assumed that um, because I'm more like progressive or et cetera in my, in my thinking that I've automatically just said like middle finger to Jesus I'm out. I'm going to do my own thing because it makes me feel good, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I actually think the reason that I am the way that I am today is because of my relationship with Christ. <laughs> and so I wish more people would ask me about that um, and not just assume that I'm like some crazy idiot because, you know, yeah. I just give in to my feelings or something like that. See, not that you funny. did that. But the- <laughs> not that, yeah, not that you did that. But I'm just, you know, I wish in general people would ask me that. I feel <laughs> I like to be clear. I feel very welcomed yeah. and, and happy here. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't think this of you particularly. Like, I feel like in my mind, though, in general, I almost chalk up like more progressive theologians to being like the more thoughtful ones. <laughs> and then the other side, I think, are being like super emotional, which is uh, it's a little funny to me. But now that you say that, how does your experience with your personal relationship with Jesus impact your your philosophy and theology and all that? Yeah, that so for me ultimately, um, I was bridging on and have on many occasions, and maybe even still today on my my bad days, uh, border on like agnostic at best. But um, I found some of the Christian mystics and. Also, I've read, excuse me, I've read a lot of um, some like Buddhist texts, specifically like the teachings of Thich, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and these things have aligned with my experience of the divine. Um, I've done a lot of like contemplative practice, centering prayer, these kind of things that I found amongst the Christian mystics and have found that my experience of the divine um, has led me more towards the kind of theological positions uh, that I hold to today, but has also opened me up to the possibility that like, hey, maybe I shouldn't hold my theological positions with a clenched fist, but rather more with a more open hand um, and recognize that uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, (laughs) but I can do my best. Um, and the experience that I have with the divine through things like centering prayer, 
through community, through interactions with other people, through conversations like this, um, are all ways that I get, you know, I have the privilege <laughs> of interacting with, uh, with God and the divine. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I try to lean into those experiences and, and see what I can learn. That reminded me of a book I want to recommend, but I, I'm terrible at Buddhist terms, so I might need your help. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's a book that is a, um, Buddhist interpretation or um, commentary, I guess, on the Gospel of Mark. So John P. Keenan, the book is the Gospel of Mark, a Mahayana reading. Did I say that correct at all? Nailed it. All right. <laughs> Sweet. I think you did it. That, I mean, that's how I would have said it. So maybe yeah. we're just both two stupid <laughs> white guys doing our best. But yeah, we have but, positive intentions, so we'll go with it. <laughs> it is really interesting, though, to hear a, a, a Buddhist and how they interpret the book of Mark as someone who a, a isn't Christian and B is of a completely different philosophy and stuff. Well, not completely different, but different philosophy and stuff. So, yeah, I really enjoyed big it. time. And like one of my favorite Buddhist authors is uh you know, rest in peace. He, he passed away recently, but it's uh Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and he did an insane amount of work of interfaith dialogue, specifically between Christians and Buddhists and did a lot of peace work trying to like, be like, Hey, maybe killing everybody all the time is a bad idea. Um, but he has some really beautiful works. Like he has a book called living Buddha, living Christ. That is phenomenal. And he does a really good job of not, uh, taking a tradition and collapsing it into another, but rather respecting both like, here's the Christian tradition of the Christ. Here's our Buddhist tradition of Buddha, etc., And like, how can they partner together um, and respect the differences, but also celebrate the similarities. Like it's pretty cool. So I just, uh, I feel like we could do like a whole like book segment of this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let you <laughs> that, that recommendation sit um and, and i do want to do one, one thing we do at the end of each episode or near the end of each episode i should say um we like to ask our guests to just provide a single tangible action that listeners could go do that'll help better unite the church today um and, and you know that can just be any faith community maybe interfaith even is there an action that you would tell people that you think is just more unity engendering that they could go do right now yeah i would say go find the religion that you're the most afraid of and learn about them (laughs) and not from. So like if you're a Christian, don't learn about it from a Christian perspective, but actually like, for example, let's take Buddhism, go read Buddhism from a Buddhist perspective or go read uh, Judaism from a Jewish perspective, which I think Christians should be doing anyway. But, um, (laughs) or like go, go read about like Islam from like a Muslim perspective, because I, I am I am firmly convinced that until there is peace amongst the religions in the world, until there is is an, a, an acceptance and uh, an agreed upon like relationship, there's not going to be peace. Um, and so, yeah, like step out in faith and <laughs> go read about a religion that frightens you, because I think once we if we can, you know, understand um and have compassion for people who are different than us that think different than us that that uh look different than us um that goes a long way and i'm not saying you have to become a muslim or a jew or a buddhist or whatever but just go read study talk to people who look and think differently than you 
because uh, I think it'll go a long way in the world uh, to bring peace. Because if we have understanding, we can have compassion. And I think compassion is important. So yeah. that's that's my tangible step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I would say ministering is a lot more than just like trying to make people believe the same as you. And you can't really minister if you don't know the people you're ministering to. Um, and if you want, if you want a halfway step to his thing, I also think it could be useful. Read a story written by someone of a different religion, because then you don't have to like go all the way to like the scary. I'll learn about Islam place, and you could just learn like um, I love um, G. Willow Wilson writes my favorite comic books of all time, the Miss Marvel Kamala Khan series. Also writes a novel, um, The Bird King. Phenomenal stuff. You don't have to be an expert of Islam. You're not going to suddenly become Muslim. You could read it, understand some of the history behind her people, their fears, also kind of get a really cool fantasy story and just kind of see what people are like. Because I also just, fair warning, if someone, this is just like, this is like one of those weird things that I believe. I think if somebody was like Muslim and just read a book about Christians, whether, you know, I'm like, I feel like a lot of times, uh, that's not, you're not going to get what Christians are like, you know, like, I'm like, so I always have like, maybe do both of those things. Maybe like learn about the religion and then read about people who are actually doing it because sometimes like things are different, you know, cultures are weird. No, a hundred percent. And I, I mean, I think even for me, like that's been, that's been the thing that has helped me the most, whether, so, you know, some people would say this is a negative thing and I respect that, but interacting with people that look think and feel differently than i do has been so beneficial in my life oh yeah um and so like reading authors or storytellers <laughs> poets from different religions and and trying to see the where are these people saying similar things but also where are they different and not being afraid to like again celebrate the similarities but also have a genuine respect for the differences because i don't want to just say like i'm a pluralist so i don't i don't want to just say like everybody's secretly a christian i want to i actually i want to genuinely <laughs> respect the differences uh which i know can be scary but um yeah because yeah. i i genuinely think until the world religions are willing to cooperate with one another and seek things that are beautiful and good and true, then I don't I don't foresee things getting any better anytime soon. So I'm here for that conversation. Yeah. Man. And that's um all <laughs> another can, but I'll say that that's a beautiful thing. Everybody should do it. And I'm gonna hopefully we could talk more about that some other time because that might take us another hour. Um <laughs> but one thing we do as we're wrapping up is just kind of our God moment segment. We just talked about a, a moment where we particularly experienced or thought about the divine in a moment, I guess. Um, mine is going to be really, really weird this week. I just watched guardians of the galaxy three and ugh, it was so good, but I, um, I, I thought this one was going to be different for me because when the first two came out, I really related to rocket because I was kind of a jerk to a lot of people. And it was one of those like, oh, I'm like that. And then like whenever he's had that moment at the end of the second movie of like, oh, they loved him anyway, even though he was a jerk. And like, I was like, oh, yeah, that hit me home. And I was like, this one's going to be different because, yeah, I'm not like that anymore. It wasn't uh, without any spoilers. Me and rocket story somehow are exactly the same. I straight up cried and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> But in that moment, weirdly enough, um, 
I'm going to show my Pentecostal colors. On the way home, I was listening to some of the songs that were played in the movie and thinking about his experience and then reflecting on my own experience. And I straight up was speaking in tongues, listening to um, uh, the dog days are gone. <laughs> I'm over there like I'm in a whole Pentecostal movement in my car. And I'm like, this is not even a Christian song, <laughs> but it's fine. It's cool. No biggie. Um, yeah. So, Josh, uh, have you had a moment where you have particularly felt the divine? recently uh, well i love your moment i i can't compete with speaking in tongues in my car to a, a secular song it's pretty good uh, <laughs> so and my, random. my 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 you know, like really good friend marty would very much appreciate that he's a worship pastor in the aog so oh, nice. uh, yeah cool dude uh former co-host of uh my podcast but let's see i'm gonna try to do this in the moment so forgive me when i i'm gonna try to reflect uh, like within this moment, think back today when uh, I experienced God. And I think um, this morning I experienced God when uh, I was greeted by my pets. <laughs> uh, when I let them out of their cages uh, this morning and they were super excited to go downstairs and get breakfast and, and play outside. And I think I experienced God today when I saw my wife for the first time um, when she came downstairs uh, after I, you know, I'd woken up before her. And um, I think I experienced God today when I met uh, new people at the brewery that I visited today uh, for a, a Barks event, which is um, a rescue here in Baltimore that rescues animals. And I think I, ex I experienced God in the conversation that, um, I had with my wife uh, on our way home from that event. I think uh, I experienced God in the you know moment moments leading up to this conversation when I was like, "Why the heck am I so nervous for this conversation?" <laughs> um, I think I experienced God during our conversation um, today. Uh, so yeah, I don't know that there's there's a, a few options there, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, Thomas Ord was on a couple of days ago for our listeners, but the, um, Ooh, go he, Tom Ord. <laughs> man, he, he was like, he did his whole thing of like, we experience God in every moment. So I guess to me, it got a moment just more than I like really particularly saw God, not that he was there anymore or any less than usual. And it was funny because I'm like, that's pretty much my co-host TJ. That's like his whole philosophy. He just doesn't say it that well. <laughs> you know, he's just yeah, like, that's Hockey happened. God was there. <laughs> yeah, I, and I would predicate all of that by saying, like, yeah, I agree with Tom Ward. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah. TJ, Josh, we they all they get it, man. All the moments yeah. are God moments, which is what makes this segment so easy for me. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's man. awesome. It's like the if you want to go back to uh, like old school, think of like you know, I think of like Practice of the Presence by Brother Lawrence. You know, who was um, you know like an early church mystic to use that word but yeah. his whole bit was like if you want to sum brother lawrence up real quick like he would do this practice where like in each and everything that he was doing he would uh stop and pause when he remembered and recognize <laughs> like this thing that i'm doing i'm doing on behalf of the divine Ooh. so like for me it's like when i'm at work and i'm like brewing beer if i stop and pause and be like mindful in that moment i can recognize like oh i can do this thing to the best of my ability 
for the divine hmm. or the, or my, my favorite way of talking about it is like there, I'm going to screw the story up, but there, <laughs> um, in my readings, there was like a, a dude, <laughs> like a guy, a monk, I don't know whatever you want to call him a dude. Yeah. Cause it's my, my way of talking. And he like worked in like some kind of like Christian organization, school, etc. And every, you know, every day, basically his job was when people would come to visit the monastery, he was the person that would greet them and interact with them and like, you know, help them find where they need to go. And this monk, his prayer every day or what he reminded himself was, was every time a new person entered the monastery and looked for help, whenever they would say like, hey, I'm here for help, his response was always, here I am, Lord, how can I serve you? So in each moment, he recognized the divine in the other and then sought to serve God, the divine, Jesus, etc., however you want to phrase it, within the other person. And so in that way, practiced the presence of God in and through all things at all times. And I'm like, Ooh. I hope when I brew beer, I'm like, here it is, God. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good stuff. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode um, and you want to hear more from Josh, make sure, again, check out Rethinking Faith. Uh, I think it's everywhere this podcast is, so check it out. Um, and if you feel like it, you could share this episode with a friend, a cousin, or as TJ likes to say, an enemy. I don't know why you have enemies that you're sharing podcasts with, but if you are, great, good job. Um, we do prefer you share it with cousins, though. They, they tend to be the most receptive, I think. But um, make sure you go to our Patreon. Check out our pet peeve segment. We talk about pets and peeves and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can also go to the Anazal Ministries Podcast Network website down below to find other shows like this one if you want to hear more of... Um, I'm trying to remember the slogan. It's like Christian podcast that asks the big questions. Yeah, that sounds right. So if you enjoyed the show, awesome. Come back next week. Uh, we're going to have some live recordings about politics and faith. Um, then we're going to have another live recording the week after about how we most experience God, whether it is in communion or in our prayer closets. You know, that whole thing the Bible says. Then Dan Coke. We mentioned a couple times already on this episode is going to be on the show. Um, he does the podcast. You have permission, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, what the church is with Dan. What does that word mean? Then finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us, even though he's not aware of it. He will become aware of it and then join the show. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Come back next week as we'll be airing some of the live podcast we were able to do at our convention, the Every Tribe Denomination and Tongue Convention in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.